our last mission participant, uh, Dice Calendrine, has just appeared at Monsieur Rose's with the responsibility to follow up on some weirdness that happened the last time they met in the dream. And Vic has also appeared in an attempt to continue that investigation. So, with you all in the cafe at the moment, the last question that I asked Vic was, if you had let anybody else know that the thing was happening, to which you replied that they may get a notification at some point later, but presently do not know? Yeah, I think Vic's plan was to get a quick measure of how responsive and helpful dice was going to be Mm -hmm. and uh, deal with the problem if dice was going to be a problem and if not figure out how to loop everyone else in okay cool so at the moment then it's just Vic and Ruth and dice and Shelly who is about not listening just making sure that they put away cash from the register and finish cleaning up and stuff like that And you have your own key to leave whenever you're ready to leave, obviously. So y'all are mostly uninterrupted at this moment. Ruth? Yeah? I would like you to give me the investigation role for this opportunity to talk to Dice. Um, Ruth does not want to investigate anything. (laughs) Ruth wants Dice to go away. What would the action role be to taunt somebody such that their response is to exposit. Wow. (laughs) Well, you see, Dice likes to annoy Ruth, right? So if Ruth is just angry at him, Dice will start talking. So can I roll Defy for this? Yeah, Defy was literally the thing that I was going to tell you would work in this moment, specifically (laughs) in this weird relationship that you have with Dice. I do not have a relationship with Dice in any way whatsoever, says Ruth furiously. Mm, of course you would say that. That doesn't make it true, but um, <laughs> I would like you to give me a defy roll. A defy fortune roll. A defy fortune roll. So that is 2d6. That's a 1 and a 6. Wow. <laughs> what is the thing that you tell Dice immediately after... They're like, I am here to tell you anything that you want to know. What is your immediate, what is Ruth's immediate emotional response to that? Ruth's immediate response is to look at him and say, tell me how I make you go away. I love this so much. I'm so sorry. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, there is... A clock on investigation that happens in this moment that is already full, so you didn't have to think about this anymore. What happens in this moment is Dice looks at you, and you know Dice fairly well enough that you have... (laughs) Even though most other people who have met Dice Calendrine, and specifically the circumstances that you have, will only know when they're very excited or when they're very angry... Or what they look like when they're in pain, like one time out of ten. You are one of the few other people who like have witnessed the range of Dice's emotional capacity. Um, I regret that. Which is a thing that you regret, yes. Um, <laughs> so you know what it looks like when Dice wants to impress someone. 
when Dice is like struggling with the sense of, I want this person to not lose their appreciation for me. I don't appreciate you! Which is why you know that face so well! (laughs) Dice is looking at you very earnestly when they go, You have to believe me when I say I thought I was doing the right thing. I... I thought I was helping people. That's rich coming from you. Right, I know, okay, I'm not... I am not a good person, but... I was hoping to change that. Ruth steps back from him. I really thought I was making people's lives better. I thought I was helping them learn things about themselves that would help them grow, help them realize their potential because I thought that that was what they were helping me do. I thought I thought I was I thought I was revealing to people the kind of people that they could be. I didn't think I was I don't know what it was I was doing in fact, but I don't know I didn't think I was doing whatever that would have been. I I didn't even know who your friend was when I got that assignment. I Never even learned their name when they let me into that dreamscape. They just told me I needed to do a thing. That it was my responsibility to get get into that dream and help them unlock themselves. So let me get this straight. Your bosses got you, of all the people in this city, to help other people become better? Why did they pick you again? Because they did the same for me. Or I thought they did. Ruth starts laughing. And it is not a good sound. It is not a happy sound. Oh yeah, this is the most sarcastic, (laughs) the most like painfully sarcastic laugh. Um, You you notice that Dice seems obviously hurt. Was that the goal? Ruth doesn't care one way or another how Dice feels, which is probably why Ruth is actually the best placed person to hurt him. <laughs> but Ruth. a Vic hasn't seen this side of Ruth before, like someone who yeah. is actively bitter about something. Yeah, so like first Vic responds like non-verbally to this kind of cruel, this kind of seeming cruelty. And this says, Ruth, come on, they're here to help. <sighs> Give me, die 14, right? Give me a one die fortune. Give me a one die fortune. Fourteen roll, uh, Ruth. One die fortune roll. Fortune roll. Roll one d six. That's a six. There's this brief moment when you hear Vic speak that you get this like impression, like you ever had this feeling that you are. Like, you know the only person in control of your body is you, but you feel like you have just briefly lost control of your body? Ruth has transcended before, yes. (laughs) You have this brief, like, almost, like, infinitesimal moment of, I should stop laughing. Why am I still laughing? It only lasts, like, a beat. And then you stop, and you sigh, and you continue. 
Ruth has the distinct sensation of ruthless in the back of their head, just kind of putting the metaphorical hand on their shoulder. Yeah. <sighs> For a moment, it felt like you weren't laughing. Ruthless was. But then he stopped. He looks back at Dice and bares his teeth and, without looking away from Dice, nods at Vic and says, you're lucky they're here. So Dice, something that may help us here is if you can talk through where you met anybody, anything you got about names, what they look like. We need to be able to trace from that dream last night to somebody else who's involved, somebody who roped you in or somebody you interacted with. Maybe you, you, maybe you met them in waking, maybe you just met them in dreaming. But I want to pull on that thread. I, I don't think this is someone that I know in, in real life. I, I mean... The dreams are real, right? Right, I know, right, yeah, but like, I'm, in the dream, I can be whoever I think I am. Yeah, you so can be yourself, yeah, 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 I get it, it's tricky. Right, so I don't know if I've ever seen the person who first recruited me, I guess, because I'm pretty sure that was a recruitment that first time, that first dream this may have been like five months to last night um in fact they just put the fear of god in me essentially i went to sleep one night and i saw things i didn't want to see and um Dice very slowly glances up at Ruth and then glances back down at the table in front of them and then glances back at Vic. And that was one thing, right, that got me to reframe some things, got me to, like, fall in line. And I get that that was the goal. And then I got a message on my phone saying that they liked how I how I was put together in that dream and I was like I don't I don't know what this means I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information but it freaked me out you know how can someone know what you did and a thing that I thought wasn't real and then I learned that it was and they asked that they would ask me every once in a while to make sure that someone else got what I got. Told me that if I kept doing it, those people would be the best versions of themselves. And I thought that that was what I was seeing. I was seeing, like, punks become, like, disciplined. I was seeing people who didn't know what they wanted to do in life suddenly activate, you know? Like, there was a kid, I don't know, some high school kid, goes to Alistair All Something High, I don't know, didn't 
like went to that guy's dream and this kid was a mess. Spent a half an hour doing what I thought I was supposed to do and now I'm hearing the kids an A student wants to get like an internship with one of those big tech firms. I thought that that was cool, right? I thought that I was straightening the kid out. And now I'm like, what if I wasn't? What was the kid's name? I don't know. I don't know names. They just tell me which part of the dreamscape to enter. I heard... Can you you tell me about the kid's dreamscape? Some details or maybe anchors that would help us navigate there. And this is where I'm going to pitch that I'm uh, using a downtime action to also investigate. And I'm using Express, which I didn't even know going in. The One of the sentences on Express is, you might convince a longtime rival to work with you for a time to solve a shared problem. So the pitch here is that Vic is figuring out the Ruth dice dynamic and trying to bring enough Ruth into the conversation to get dice to kind of talk through or kind of be able to get past some boundaries to get, be able to share more information. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I don't think Ruth can qualify as actively assisting in that role, but I'm betting that dice probably looks at Ruth to see how Ruth is reacting to all of this. And Ruth is definitely like the moment he said the name of the high school or tried to guess what the name of the school was. Uh, Ruth was definitely paying attention really, really strongly to Vic in a uh-oh kind of way. Like, just very intent and laser focus. So, Dice literally closes their eyes and starts, like, processing it for a little bit as you give me that roll. I'm rolling uh, your... 2d6 Express yeah. as a downtime action for mm-hmm. investigation. Let's see. Ah, one and a two, so I get two ticks. Yes, you get two ticks. Like, Dice kind of struggles a bit. Um, God, this was a while. Um, I just remember it was a mess. Lots of, lots of torn pages all about the place. Like, I think there were some dead flower petals as well. I think one of the rooms in that dream, I saw them get in a fight with their parents about something, but I didn't make out what it was. I just remember when I got there, I was... The angle that I used was people will learn to love you more when you learn to do the things that let them know that you love yourself. When you do your schoolwork, if you found yourself a a disciplined hobby, um, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to ask myself if I was being too... Stern back there now. I can't even remember what... Like, what I said. But, I mean... I could be... Like, the dreamscape's big, right? When they give you the tools to enter, they give you the tools to... walk through as many dreams as possible. I may even be... missing something that was much more useful in the moment, if that would have helped you... do the thing. Like, they're not involved in the day-to-day anyway i'm here to give you i'm I'm here to try to help you find out how to fi- like how to get in on the inside how to deal with folks who 
do what I do, I guess. I don't know. So, Brandon, uh, because I rolled express, uh, I want to pitch that Dice is talking and Vic is basically giving a, a uh, draws a basic sketch of the student that Vic thinks is most likely um, for this to be and spins it around and, and shows it to Dice to see if they recognize the that face. Mm-hmm. So this will Which be- gives you the opening to let us ID a suspect. Aha. So I will confirm that this is not this is not a suspect, but this will give you information that will lead you towards a suspect. Okay, cool. So this is a student at Julia Salston High, not one of yours, so you don't know this kid. Well, you don't know this kid well. You've seen you like you're drawing on things that you've picked up, but because this kid is not in your homeroom, is actually a year younger than your uh, class. Um, you don't know this student very well. Trevor Hall. He they, but mostly he in school for reasons that you are also very aware of. You've met the kid once or twice in some creative capacities in school, which is why you know their face. Dice is like, uh, yeah, this kid's dream visage didn't change a lot, so I can tell you for a fact, yeah, it's uh, this kid. Um, got this acknowledgement, like, got this assignment from one of my higher-ups. I don't know how they get into those things. I'm sure they have all kinds of other resources that allow them to get a sense of individuals' dreams and how to get in there and why this person should be a target. But they send us in forces in because they need somebody to actually do the heavy lifting, if that makes sense. Somebody else is responsible for knowing why this kid was supposed to be important. And I get the impression that we're picking specific people for specific reasons, right? But I don't know what they might be. Only that part of it is helping them fall in line. And now I'm like... And they turn to Ruth again with that same kind of pleading expression. Like, I thought I was helping people. I didn't, I didn't lie, right? I didn't, like, they're still being better, right? Ruth looks at him and says, unfortunately for the both of us, you haven't ever lied. I know some bits about the process, but I, everything I've done, I've gotten through text or in the dreamscape itself. I've never met anyone there. So I guess if you need to know anything else about the dreamscape or the things that I've already picked up doing these kinds of jobs, we can do that too. And I can tell you some other part of, you know, the the inner workings, but I don't know names, just what they're capable of. Uh, yeah, Ruth, it sounds like... Ruth looks at Vic to ask further questions because Vic has known Euphony the longest and therefore knows the things that they'd need to learn the best. I'm fine to kind of elide the rest of that conversation in order to kind of move forward. But we know that the conversation is longer than what's been on quote-unquote screen, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. So what I will say as a result is we can flash back to this moment at any point in time, either mechanically or even just narratively, to gain any further information that would qual- that would help qualify a thing that 
will happen later. Which means that we get to get into the juicy part as well. <laughs> I guess to, like, towards the tail end of that conversation, because I imagine that the more it gets into, like, the finicky, oh, here are the specific spots that Dice was told to go to, or here are the specific, like, signs he was supposed to make, or here are the specific um, talismans he was supposed to pick up, or something of the sort, Ruth leaves that to Vic, because mm-hmm. he does have, like, his actual quote-unquote day job to still tend to, so he helps Shelly close up, he basically keeps an eye on the crew outside, that kind of thing, wipes down the tables, stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Just does the basics of getting that. Right. So, y'all are uh, hanging up for the day, Shelly prepares like a small smoothie for Dice as uh, Dice and Vic continue talking the crew has now left. Uh, it's become late enough in the evening, around 9.30, 10... Well, yeah, like, around 10, 10, 10.30, that the street is typically quiet around this time, because this is not one of the busier parts of the food district up here. It's quite late at this point. Shelley is just about to finally say goodnight and leave because uh, she knows that you have a key to leave when you're ready as well, and that the owners will come in when they're done shopping. At this point, they must have like gotten ice cream or something and are taking their cool time back to the shop. So at this point, it is just the three of you in the shop when suddenly you hear a large pane of glass break. Vic, you're the first to notice that something just went through one of the plate glass windows right behind the table where you're both sitting. Is there enough room in the table for Vic to be able to, like, help usher people under the cover of the table? If you tried to tip over the table, you'd need dice to move first, because, like, you're facing dice, the thing just came in behind behind them, they haven't really responded yet, with, like, much more than a kind of abject confusion. So you kind of need to finagle the situation before you can actually move the table downward as a protective device in the first place. Do you want to give me a roll for that? Yeah, I think this is probably this is probably defy. Cool, that works. Um, your position is desperate and your effect is limited. Okay, so Vic says cover and is basically trying to pull dice at the same time as they are kicking the table over to form cover. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, desperate. Is that was desperate limited? Uh, yeah, desperate limited. And I'm rolling one die, which is better than zero dice. That's a one. Oh. Oh no. So, you try to maneuver the table and dice, not getting any impression of what what is really happening, still responding in a kind of shock and confusion gets in the way of that process such that you do get the table to fall over, but it's facing away from where you're trying to actually defend from. Dice eventually does get up, shift away from where you are. You notice very suddenly, and it does cause you a very brief bit of confusion as well, Colored smoke is emerging from whatever was thrown through uh, the window. 
it seems like it seems almost iridescent it seems to be shimmering like it's rapidly um shifting color in like various gradients all along as it uh, begins to expand in the room uh, you have no idea what the smoke is or does and just as you notice that you notice two individuals in two individuals in tuxedos with masks over their face front flip tr- through the hole in the window can i say ruth intercepts them <laughs> Okay, what would you, how would you like to do that? Give me a roll for the thing. Well, I think this is very clearly going to be Defy. Okay, your position is desperate and your effect is standard because you've been in a fight before and this is just you fighting two strangers. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I would say that Ruth was probably stacking chairs on top of tables or something, so he throws a chair at one and, like, while he's barreling at the other one. And Ruth is not the largest person, but Ruth is a very, very fast and angry person. So I am also going to take Reckless. When you make a desperate roll, you may choose to get plus 1d for the roll if you also take minus 1d to any resistance rolls against consequences from your action. So... Okay, that's gonna be useful in a moment. Um... (laughs) Cool. So you're so, making your um, so defy roll plus one die. Yeah. Desperate standard rolling. That's 3d6. Please oh. crit. Please crit. Please crit. You've jinxed it, man. That's a five, a two, and a three. So no crit, but. <laughs> okay. Okay. I get a five, which is pretty good against two people, I think. Yeah, five is pretty good against two people. You immediately engage both of these individuals by yourself. You're the only person actually physically engaged with them. And it's actually going remarkably well. You are... Like, you, you can tell that these individuals are very skilled, but you're just... You're just angry enough and motivated enough that you seem to be able to hold your own even though you are not obviously fighting with the same level of uh, tactical awareness that they are. You can tell they're trying to incapacitate you. Meanwhile, you're just like, I am here to draw as much blood as possible, and I'm doing very well in that regard. I Um, am here to make your life a misery. God sent me to make shit worse, and I'm going to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I will say that as Ruth went in, Ruth yelled to Vic, get them out of here. Dice is very confused. Vic, one of the very first things that you notice as you, like, try to get Dice's attention in an attempt to get ready to leave is, it seemed in this moment like Dice is obviously very afraid. Ruth, you notice it's just kind of in the, in the perf- in your periphery. And while you have seen it kind of fair out of dice before, you have no idea why it would materialize in this moment. Because, like, dice has fought people bigger and more talented than these people before. But regardless, Vic, you have been given the request to get dice out of this space. What do you do? I I will be uh, doing so. I'm kind of uh, paying attention because I want to be in position to 
try to protect Ruth against whatever the consequence from that uh, mixed result is. And I think after having done so is is Vic leaving, uh, depending on what the consequences are. Okay. Because I also have a, an idea about like soccer kicking that uh, smoke grenade into <laughs> one of the attackers. <laughs> Give me a one die fortune roll. Okay. The, technically, this is defy, but still. How many, how many dots do you have in defy, actually? One in defy. Right, yes, still. Cool. That's a five. Ah, uh, yes. You kind of effortless, effortlessly back kick the smoke grenade directly into one of their eyes. It's not their first protest, friends. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to decide whether I would kick it at them or use improvised stuff from the cafe to do the thing that the Hong Kong protesters do. Large like, cup of water. Throw dump the thing on, dump yeah. the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Vic, you make it through the back door all the way outside. Nina, you are now coming back from your delivery trip. You are still very tired. You are still very <laughs> Nina has still just very upset up to the about back. the very awkward like, experience you've just had. And Nina knows that Dice is there because Nina got a text from Vic. And that is why Nina's here. And so she spent this entire drive feeling like there are ants under her skin from lack of sleep. And also the notion that she's going to have to face this dude. And everything sucks. And she's tired. And is that purple smoke? Why is there purple smoke? Is it glitter smoke? (laughs) This is like one of those foam parties, but smoke? I don't under... Oh god, am I hallucinating again? Oh no. Vic, you see the truck. She parks it. She parks. (laughs) All right, Dice, that's our ride. Sorry, is the other employee still here, or did she already leave? Shelly left a long time ago. Okay, great. So yeah, Vic says, that's our ride. Be as non-threatening as possible. <laughs> I can be non-threatening. That's puts on a very it. awkward smile. And like Vic will kind of grab his, uh, grab Dice's collar. That's Nina. Oh. To be clear, Nina looks like Nina. She yeah, just yeah. looks like like her dream self. Mm-hmm. With, yeah, I guess I don't... Yeah. I, like if uh, if we've seen Nina for, through like the the windshield, then Vic doesn't have to necessarily explain yeah, as much. I would think so. Yeah, and, and again, like just in terms of dream selves, Nina looks very. She looks like a slightly better groomed, better dressed version of herself. That's it. So you all get into the truck. Meanwhile, uh, Ruth, you are still fighting these two people. You are. Obviously feeling just a little bit overwhelmed, but anger and self-motivation is still getting you through. Give me a fortune roll with defy. Okay. Fortune roll, defy. So that is two dice. That's a six and a four. Uh Aha. Cool. You are holding your own for a bit. You are noticing in this fight very idly that the guy who got hit in the head with the smoke grenade, his mask... Seems to be changing shape and color constantly now all of a sudden. It used to be just a, a plain white ceramic mask, no or no ornamentation whatsoever, just uh, two eyes and a mouth. And then it changes into a Tengu mask, then it changes into a large masquerade mask. Like just constantly shifting from thing to thing that entire time. You get the impression like that, if, like... A couple of 
inches of hair are also randomly changing length and color that entire time. You have no idea what, what that, what that is about. But it doesn't uh, seem to bother the person that, like, even though you can tell, like, smoke is literally in this person's eyes, doesn't seem to bother their capacity to continue engaging with you at all. In the moment, Ruth thinks, Ruthless, what the fuck? There is a part of you, there is, there is a part of your consciousness that even in this high-stress, uh, active situation, you know is... A compartment of your awareness where if you wanted to confront Ruthless directly, you could literally do that. And you feel very briefly like you are in that space, that Ruthless is not there to answer your question. So you stop thinking about it very briefly to continue fighting. Give me a resistance roll. Um, With? What is the attribute that would most accurately describe being in a physical interaction? I believe it's that sun. That would be sun. sun, yeah. I would like you to resist with sun. Well, luckily for me, I have two dice there, so I can still roll my measly little one dice. <laughs> and it's minus one, so I'm rolling 1d6. That's a four. Okay, so you take two stress. How much stress do you have at the moment? Just two. <laughs> ah, okay, cool. Right, yeah, you you had... a. Uh, a guard I had a there. surprisingly fine time at work because my soul just knew something bad was going to happen, so it didn't stress out too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Suddenly, these two soldiers begin to actually overpower you. They are moving in tandem in a way that you can no longer accurately respond. They are very briefly not only pushing you back, but it seems like they're actively capable of bringing you to your knees if they just work a little bit harder. You get... Uh-oh. Yes, continue. <laughs> you get a solid heel to the jaw. Ow. And you feel your consciousness kind of fade away very briefly. You've been in enough fights that you can regain your awareness quickly enough from that kind of blow. But by the time you ready yourself to get back into the fight, they're gone. The smoke bomb is gone. All there is... That proves that an altercation took place here in the first place is the table on the floor and the hole in the window. Ruth takes a breath and just leans against the pane of glass beside the broken one and goes... <sighs> and as we close, we fade out from Monsieur Eros's through the hole as Ruth sighs and just get the briefest glimpse downward on the sidewalk outside as we f as we pan out from the street to notice that almost inconspicuously the shards of glass that have fallen from this broken window somehow idly in a way that cannot possibly be explained with naturally occurring broken glass has made the shape of the eye insignia that you have all seen so frequently before, um, as it just fades out past the street towards that broken streetlight on the other side of the street, and as it continues to flicker, and then all the way comes off. That's the end of tonight's uh, Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire. How do you all feel about everything that has just happened? <laughs> 
So Brandon, you are now required to have the symbol of the eye in different forms in every episode, like the Our Flag Means Death bit or um, Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts. Yeah, I know. It's a thing that I've been working on. I'm not going to be, it's not going to be elegant every time, but it has to happen at least once. So yeah, work has been bad. I'm sorry that work, I'm sorry that work sucked for you all. But you now know a great deal, well, a little bit more about the inner workings of the conspiracy, including but not limited to the fact that there are probably ninjas. How does this make you all feel? I mean, the stinger to this episode is at 2 a.m., finally having gotten up of work, Cat texts Ruth, like tipsy texting Ruth. Ruth, you would not believe the day I've had. <laughs> and Ruth just sending back all caps. Yeah. You weren't there for anything. <laughs> I'm I'm really curious to see Kat following the rabbit hole with those cards uh, when she gets to. Yeah, those oh, cards gosh. are going to be a doozy. Um, By the end of her shift, she is tipsy from all that extra champagne. She might have left those blue tacked to the inside of the toilet tank again. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Uh, Nina, Nina needs some sleep. (laughs) Imagine being held together by duct tape and caffeine. Yeah, I just realized, actually, you're, you're like, you're in the worst narrative position as heroes, because you work in a world where, like, sleep is a luxury that many can ill afford. And then you have to be sleeping to do your hero stuff. So, you're, like, you're going to spend a great deal of time never restful. And that is the great, that is the actual point at which you are, like, the, this is the squishiest game of them all. Like, we can talk a great deal about how one's path for uh, experience and advancement in this game is very difficult, but the fact that you have to sleep to be a hero is a very big deal all on its own. (laughs) Well, Ruth hasn't been knocked out yet, but you could also dream while being knocked out. (laughs) Just make it like Japan. Melatonin's illegal. (laughs) All of her life suck. (laughs) I mean, in this world, melatonin is probably, like... A recreational drug at this point, which is also very weird and bad, but uh, we have to est- we will have to establish all of those things at a later date, I'm sure. I am very eager to see you all take all of the information that you've already gained and the present peril that you've already encountered with you forward into the next uh, session. But until we get to that next session, I would like you to please tell all of the lovely people in chat who you are, what you do, and where... Next, they can find you, starting with Mike. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching. I'm Michael R. Underwood. I go by Mike. He, him pronouns for me. I'm one of the co-hosts of Speculate, along with Brandon and Greg Rilson, a.k.a. Arv, the host of the channel. And uh, next month, you can watch all three of us, plus two other folks, kick off a game of Court of Blades that we're very excited about. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Mike R. Underwood, or you can find me streaming Wednesdays and Sundays, 1 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash TurboTango, and you should buy Valerie's books because they rock. Yes, I agree. Next, Valerie. Hi, I already forgot what I'm supposed to say. I'm Valerie Valdez. My pronouns are sheer. You can find me on Twitter at Valerie Valdez, that is with an S if you're listening on the podcast. And you should definitely buy Mike's books because they rock. And also you should buy Yuri's book too. It's forthcoming. Pre-order it now. All right. That's it. 
No yes. pre-order yet, unfortunately. I will tell you when it does. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. But since we're gaining that information, let's move on next to Iori. To Sonu Iori, Clarion West class of 2017, they them pronouns. I have been, as always, Cat Holly the Time Traveler. You can find me on Twitter at Iori Kusano. That is I-O-R-I. I have no L's in my name. Lori is an imposter who gets credit for my work. Let's see. Fiction forthcoming from Apex this year. Mm-hmm. And my debut novella, Hybrid Heart, will be out from Neon Hemlock sometime in 2023. And you're all very So excited. I will keep you all posted on that. Thank you, chat. You've been great today. Lovely. And uh, last but not least, Yoi. Hello, hello, and very soon goodbye, Yoi Gawain Lin, he, they pronouns for me, game and fiction writer, and tonight, as always since this campaign has started, I have been Vermilion Jingwei Ruth, the outsider who is exhausted. <laughs> Thank you very much. As for me, I have uh, yet again been your stage manager this evening, Brandon O'Brien, pronouns he, him, or they, them. I am, alongside uh, Michael R. Underwood and Gregory A. Wilson, one of the co-hosts of Speculate, who you will see very regularly here, uh, stage managing Girl by Moonlight Fractal Spire, as well as playing in our upcoming Court of Blades game. So if you want to find out more information about that as well, please check out the Patreon again. Uh, a reminder, um, speculatesf.com. Uh, twitter.com slash speculatesf for more information about the cool things that we do over there. I am also uh, a poet, writer, and game designer from Trinidad and Tobago, and the uh, author of the poetry collection Can You Sign My Tentacle, um, which is presently up for an Elgin Award if you are a member of the Science Fiction and Fantasy uh, Poetry Association, and that is a thing that you would like to discover more about. So yeah, um, thank you so very much for joining us all this evening. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait to get into more dream shenanigans with you all. But until that happens, I would like uh, you all to bid adieu to all of the lovely people in chat. Please say goodnight to everyone. Uh, This was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see you all very, very soon again. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com. Hi everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.